Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 46 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Today's episode is very, very special to me. It's very, very near and dear to my heart. I like to keep things in the family. I had my mom on the podcast, and today I have my youngest brother, Bobby, on the podcast. Today is, it was a really interesting episode, I'm not going to lie. It was so hard to listen to, to his perspective and to listen to the real deal, you know? Like, this was no bullshit. This was what he has done and he for the first time I can ever recall he came out as an addict so that was a huge huge step and you know it's it's a it's really hard to ask these questions and especially of our family members or people that we think we know because we automatically just assume we assume so much especially with people that we should know, you know, like your partner or the people closest to you. But to actually have, like, sit down and do, you know, an interview conversation and take out those emotions and allow a little bit of space between us was huge. Because I not only saw Bobby as my youngest baby brother, I saw Bobby as the 27-year-old man and addict that he is. So this was a very, very enlightening episode and just very touching and moving. And I'm so grateful that Bobby agreed to come on and talk to me and be so open and and honest because it's scary. You worry about people you love. And now I know. Now I know all of it. And you will too. (laughs) So let's get into it. Here we go. (laughs) 
Well, hello, my little baby brother. Well, hey, hello. How are we doing? <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm uh, fantastic. Just uh, finished a spinning class. Yeah, we did. We were a part of. <laughs> so our legs are a little sore, and we're ready to ready to talk. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited to talk to you, Bob, because you know, obviously we're related. I'm your mm -hmm. older sister, you're my younger brother. But you know by blood. Yeah, <laughs> by blood. Um but I think a lot of things like, you know, in our childhood and our experiences get kind of lost in translation because, you know, especially for our family and I'm uh, most families, let's get real don't mm -hmm. really talk about things or don't ask. We just kind of assume, right? Yeah. 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 So I want to get your story and I want to, I want to know your point of view and your perspective. And, um, I'm excited to, to hear that. I'm excited to, mm -hmm. to learn about you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. well, of course, you know, I am an addict, so mm -hmm. I'll just start uh, start there, just get things rolling with a jump. Start it with a bang. That's what I wanted to say. There you um, go. So yeah, there we go. Yeah. So um, yeah, I am an addict. I am uh, still. Uh, I'm taking methadone um, because I had a uh, pretty severe opiate addiction. Um, mm -hmm. So which I battled with for way too long um it all kind of started with the opiates with um after knee surgery and then i was prescribed oxycontin it's a kind of an old tale nowadays for mm -hmm. everybody um and i got hooked and i uh yeah spent a lot of money and a lot of time and yeah don't uh don't remember a lot of it but yeah and uh had some incidences that put me in the hospital. Like, um, uh, the first time was a uh, fentanyl overdose. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, that was some pills that I had bought that I thought were oxys and they were yeah. fentanyl. Wow. So, um, and that, that was on Boxing Day. So that was a nice, uh, <laughs> a what nice a ring treat. in the new year. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, that was, um, kind of a interesting time because, um, the night before, um, one of our family members had brought it to, uh, to, you know, our parents or one of our parents' attention, um, about, you know, my addiction and mm -hmm. how it was affecting me. And then the next day I overdosed. So, <laughs> right. so yeah, it's kind of weird how it works out. So right. that was, um, you know, my first real um serious incident with with opiates that i that i had that i probably should have said hey you know this is killing me you know mm -hmm. time to get some help right so i i did for a bit i went i went on methadone and uh you know it was pretty good for a while and you know i'm not gonna lie i was you know using here and there and i was still taking xanax and that kind of thing and smoking pot um, mm -hmm. so I wasn't taking it as seriously as, as I should have. And that's what kind of led to me. Uh, I just woke up one day and said, Oh, I don't need methadone. I can stop taking it. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a pretty devastating effect um, for those people that are on methadone. They know that the, uh, the half-life of it is about 12 days. So the first couple of days, you don't feel too bad. And then you almost get into like a, uh, a dope, th- dope sick kind of withdrawal. Right. So the only way to fix that up is go call your local dealer and get some pills. Or right. Then um, kind of by that point, I had moved on to, you know, there was fentanyl was, was so available and um, it still is, of course, but um that's kind of you know when it was more um it took a a took a deeper turn like or turn for the worse um so i was using you know more um more opiates and stuff and you know i realized why spend you know 60 bucks on an oxy when i can get you know 10 times as much um for the same price so that's uh kind of how that happened and um i'm just trying to recall here it's uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, bob let's start yeah. i kind of want to start like at the beginning you know i want to start beginning beginning yeah yeah like i want to yeah. start like um with like growing up and your childhood mm-hmm. and what that was like yes so, so um mm-hmm. there is kind of um, a bit of a pattern that leads to my drug use um, that I've okay. kind of just recently discovered. So as you know, and um, I, I cancer as a child, so and that kind of resulted as uh, resulted in me losing both of my eyes. So right. um, it was kind of like a subconscious thing, like you know, medication makes you feel better. It's, right. You know, you take this pill and you're going <clears> to <throat> you're going to be healthier. It's fighting. So that I I guess was kind of ingrained into my head um from an early age. Yeah, um, really young age, right? Like very yeah, I was when's three the first time? when I three was when I lost my first eye and then um I got cancer again I think when I was 5 and then they they did radiation and all that stuff and beat it. And then it came back and then yeah, they had to take the second eye out when I was, mm. I think seven or so. Right. So yeah, that was, that was, you know, growing up for, for the first couple of years of my life. Mm-hmm. And then um, kind of adjusting to being blind. Um, what was that like? That was, um, People always ask me that, and it honestly wasn't as much of a struggle as as I would have thought, or well, most people would have assumed. Yeah, because I was such a I was such a young age that like right. that I wasn't old enough to really be bitter about losing my sight, mm-hmm. but I wasn't. Um, I was uh, old enough to to you know to learn stuff like so i still remember what things look like so if somebody says there's a red fire truck i'm uh, i can picture that in my mind right so um so you know in a way i am fortunate that i was able to see for you know part of my life and i think that's uh you know a big a big thing um that helps me get around and why people think that i can still see a little bit to this day because i'm uh, very independent, as you know. 
Yeah. You're like um, crazy independent. So uh, growing up, so, you know, we were at seven, lost my eye, going to school. So mm -hmm. I think I was in grade one when I was just beginning to learn how to read and write in print. Okay. And then I lost my second eye. So I had to relearn how to read and write in Braille. Okay. Which was a bit of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, not going to lie. And and the irony is that now Braille is totally not used at all. Like it's, it's really? everything's on computers. And yeah, Braille is, is definitely dying. It's pretty much dead. Yeah, so um, because of screen readers and different programs that they have. Um, right. Yeah, Braille is just so, um, like you've seen me with my iPhone. I mean, yeah. it talks to me and everything. So, you know, I can read an, e an email or anything like that on my phone. So, right. And yeah, it just reads it out to you. Exactly, right? So Yeah. Um, so now with, with different like ebooks and stuff that you can get for your phone or anything, you can just scroll, scroll through it and read it instead of having to feel it out. So yeah, Braille is definitely dying. Yeah. Thank you, technology. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so yeah, that was kind of adjusting to school was, was fine. Of course, um, you know, when I was eight, nine, ten, that kind of age, I, I wasn't, uh, doing drugs um you know i think the first time i smoked pot was when i was 11 or 12 years old okay wow um, that's young yeah I, i've yeah i i guess so <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> i you know hanging out with older people always you know I, that was another thing um most yeah. of my friends are, are a year or more older than me so um Right. And and um it's kind of funny because a lot of our well, our parents think that uh that our, my, that my group of friends had an influence on my choices on in why I did what I did and got high. And I am kind of a natural leader and I was always the guy to say, "Hey, let's try this. Let's try that." <laughs> right. So it's um it's kind of funny that um people well, I guess parents never really want to think that their child is the the one that's. Of course not. Uh, yeah, they're an their, angel. Yeah, of course. How can they exactly. do any wrong? I still am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, especially so, a blind kid. Like, yeah, right. You never so, suspect yeah. the blind kid. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I at that age, of course, I it wasn't like you know when I was twelve, thirteen, I wasn't smoking weed you know, every day or, mm -hmm. you know, every, not even every weekend. It wasn't, it, it was like a big deal to smoke pot like that, you know, like we'd plan it out like the whole two weeks <laughs> to, to right. smoke a joint. So, like it was a big deal back then. So, right. um, it was an event. So, you know, it, yeah. So it wasn't so much as an escape for me back then. Okay. It was more like a social kind of thing, you know? So, and then, you know, then we started drinking, which was, you know, um, I guess that's kind of cliche to say that pot's a gateway drug, you know, but I, yeah. uh, I, yeah, I have a problem with that because I've never 
smoked a joint and said, Hey, let's go get an eight ball. Right. It's always I think been, yeah. Drinking I finished is a gateway bottle. drug, don't you I, think? I, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first time I did Coke. The first time I did ecstasy, I was drinking. Right. So, um, yeah, I totally agree like, with you with that one. So, you know, I, you know, I did smoke pop before I drank, but okay. that doesn't necessarily mean that it was, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, alcohol was was very excessive. Um, one of our friends has a uh, a winery, so they had their their wine cellar in the basement. Mm-hmm. So we would uh, we would raid that every weekend, and um, and that's kind of when I started drinking excessively. I guess you could say. Yeah. It was never just one beer. It was always ten beers or. Uh, you know, it wasn't one glass of wine and it was two bottles of wine or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's, you know, that's where I think maybe I had some underlying depression of, or something. I, I'm not sure exactly what was going on in my head at the time. Right. Um, but then I got some news that really fucked things up. Um, cause, uh, this whole time, meanwhile, after losing my sight, I had been getting yearly checkups for for cancer. Okay. Um, so they, I went for my checkup, and my blood um, cells were off. So that was a pretty big indicator that I had bone marrow cancer. Oh. Um, so that's when they had to do a bone marrow test, which is. The most painful thing, if I don't know if you're aware of what it is, but it's um, they take two big needles and stab them in your back and scrape off a piece of your pelvis. Oof. Yes. So they sounds lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. Meanwhile, you know, I'm this is I'm 16, maybe close to 17 at this time. Right. So they they didn't give me enough sedative. to to knock me out so i still felt the pain i was screaming and then they injected me with some more stuff and so whatever so this whole time i'm thinking i have bone marrow cancer my life's over i'm gonna you know it was like fuck the world i'm gonna do what i want right um so that's you know when i started doing a, a lot of coke a lot of ecstasy um pretty much anything i could get my hands on um right at that time um, so that, that was kind of more of like the uppers and, and, you know, acid or mushrooms or whatever, just, um, you know, just your, your illicit drugs, not so much your pharmaceutical drugs. So, okay. um, yeah, so Bob, that was, how did you, yeah. how did you find this stuff? Like, I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. Where, like, where were you getting your supplies from? So that's another thing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. as the, you know, as the the one who likes to instigate problems, I was mm-hmm. always the one who sourced out the drug dealers. Okay. And, and made connections with them. And I, it's all ne- about networking, <laughs> I guess. Holy um, cow. And, yeah. And I was pretty damn good at it when i when i wanted something so yeah um like how would you trust people though like because obviously you can't see like how do you know that you're not getting ripped off how do you know you know what you're buying is legit like Um, what (laughs) that's a very good question and you know what i I took so many risks that I I'm surprised that I didn't get ripped off. There was only one time that I, that I got ripped off mm-hmm. and that's when I was, because meanwhile, this time I was also selling drugs. Um, I was selling weed and stuff. So that also helped me make connections with, with other drug dealers and all that kind of thing. Okay. Um, How did so, you get into selling drugs? Um, well, being blind, your job opportunities are pretty slim. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I wasn't able to get a job, you know, washing dishes. Um, not that I couldn't do it. It's just most places assume otherwise. So, um, you know, I, I, I'd sent out a bunch of applications and applied for jobs and tried to do it the right way. But, uh, but it didn't work out. So I went and did what I had to do. So, so you went all entrepreneurial uh, <laughs> on your ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay. I was kind of, they used to call me the merchant because I was the merchant. The guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I had clothing. I could get you drugs. I could get you this, that it was kind of, it got a little crazy there for a bit but um so yeah that was that i mean i i don't know i guess i've always had a salesman in me i mean i got caught selling firecrackers at school when i was 13 
So okay. that was, <laughs> I don't know. It's just funny. Um, so yeah, I, you know, that was my teenage years. Um, I, uh, you know, 17, 18 found out I did not have bone marrow cancer. Thank God. Right. Um, but I was still in that kind of mindset of fuck the world. I'm going to do what I want. Right. Um, cause I, I don't know. I maybe I had fallen into a state of depression and, you know, the drugs probably added to that. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a whole, whole situation. So, and then I, um, was 18 and then, um, I had drank way too much, done way too much Coke, way mm -hmm. too many pills, ecstasy. And then I, uh, tried to jaywalk, walk across a very busy road, mm -hmm. um, Royal Avenue, uh, the four lane, uh, street. And I got hit by a car that was going 60 kilometers an hour. Uh, it's mm -hmm. pretty quick. So I, yeah. uh, I had, a, had a collapsed lung, had a broken arm. Uh, my spleen was punctured. Uh, my ACL was torn. Jesus. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. Um, my shoes got knocked off. <laughs> right. Which is interesting because, uh, that's, and that's a pretty common thing when people get hit by cars, their shoes get knocked off. Wow. So, yeah, um, yeah, fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was, um, that was great. Yeah. That was me in the hospital and, they had thought I was going to actually die that night because they had let all my friends into the emergency room or mm -hmm. the, where I was being held because they thought I wasn't going to make it. And, uh, so yeah, it was, you know, a week in the hospital. I, um, spent, um, you know, kind of thinking over what happened and, you know, should I change? And, you know, mm -hmm. when I get out of here, of course, everything is going to be different. But, right. <laughs> but, um, reality no, sits in. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, I, you know, after I healed, I was all good. And then, um, I still, you know, about a, maybe a month or two months later after I recovered, I said, oh, I'm going to go out and have some drinks and, you know, do whatever. Mm -hmm. So did that, started getting, doing the coke again, you know. So that went on for about another year of me just being completely drinking and doing drugs and all that stuff. And then I had my ACL surgery. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> it was torn so they had to reconstruct it and um that is when the oxycontin got introduced ah okay so yeah so right. that's um so i was laid up on the couch i'd never done oxycontin it was never a thing like when i was uh, a teenager like you know i'd heard of it in, in rap songs and stuff but it wasn't like you know i didn't know any oxy dealers and I knew right. every year. So like, yeah, that was kind of, you know, that was you were a, a man really, about town. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of weird. Right. And then, mm -hmm. so I'm doing these oxys. I'm like, Oh, well, they're just for pain. They're not going to, you know, ruin my life. <laughs> um, okay. so 
you know, I take those and then I go, I'll, I'll take two. When I got home, I go, oh, I feel pretty good. You know, I rented the se- or all seasons of Entourage and watched those and went through a bottle of pills in a week. And, uh, and that's, I was hooked. It was like, people say it's like, um, kind of like a hug from God or a, I don't know. It's, hmm. it's undescribable. The, 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 just the, uh, the not worrying about anything that just takes away all your physical pain and your emotional mm-hmm. pain. Mm. Well, at least it, it did for me. So, right. um, so clearly I, I had, you know, more than physical pain to mask or that I was masking, right. um, you know, with the fills. So, um, so after my, my prescription ran out, I thought, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't need any more pills. I don't really know where to get them anyway. And then right. I, I took, uh, <laughs> I took this job in, in, um, career program. And then mm-hmm. one of the guys that was in the class, um, he was in a wheelchair and he had a Percocet prescription. Mm. And he liked to give them out. And oh, he liked I, to share. Yeah, he was a sharer, yeah. So every okay. day he would he would give me a couple and then the next day a couple more. And then by the end of the week, I'd say, man, can I buy like 10 of those for the weekend? And then Whoa. there you go. And then all of a sudden it was like I was buying his whole scripts right for, for a really good price so i mean it was like holy shit you know and then a meeting he was prescribed percocets and then and then he got prescribed oxy10s which was even better for me i guess because they're stronger so yeah. um yeah i was buying them from him and then um we just kind of had a falling out and whatever things just didn't happen. I, I, to be honest, I really don't remember. I was in such a haze. Um, so I had, you know, told one of my friends about the oxys and he had, he'd done them before and he knew where to get them. Um, initially. Okay. Um, he knew where to get them once in a while. And then I'm like, well, fuck this we need a guy that has them every day <laughs> like okay. so i started networking again mm-hmm. and <laughs> um, yeah and uh yeah by you know not too long after talking to some people i found um two two or three oxy dealers mm-hmm. um none of them were in our home city which is very weird um huh. we're all um yeah in yeah the next town over in Burnaby, which is very strange. Um, so we'd have to go out there to get them and, uh, and they're not cheap. Um, so that was, you know, um, that, that went on for a while, for a couple of years, nobody really noticed anything. Okay. And then I decided on my own, this is enough. I'm eating four oxy eighties a day. Um, Whoa. which, cost about uh about 50 bucks a piece at the time for for each Wait, pill for one pill it was 50 dollars yeah what yeah and now they're now they're a lot more expensive because of um so now so what happened was i they had started making these oxys they're called oxy neos and they okay. are they're not 
they're not crushable. Okay. So you can't crush them because the un- the ones before had a time coating on them, so you could just either scrape that off or just chew them up and you'd get high as a kite. But right. the new ones, they were <clears throat> they were really like waxy almost, so you couldn't chew them. Like if you tried to chew them up, they would just kind of they wouldn't break down is okay so so you'd have to really work at it to get high off of them so so i just like you know this is crazy like why am i doing this you know so i i went on methadone on my own call okay um the first time and i was like you know this is crazy and i i had hit it from the whole family from actually most of my friends as well um, cause it was this like, you know, methadone clinic is like, to me, I, I had thought was the bottom of the barrel, but I'd, mm-hmm. you know, I realized now that, yeah, that people are getting help there and, you know, they're not, you know, the bottom of the barrel is the people, you know, that are. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Uh, I don't know that that don't uh, don't realize what they're doing to their bodies and their to their families and stuff um, mm-hmm. by using. Um, so yeah, uh, um, so I went there, got kind of fixed up for a bit, and then um, and then I <clears throat> and then I stopped taking methadone again, or mm-hmm. not again. The first time, sorry, uh, because I didn't think I needed it. All good, mm-hmm. whatever. And then um, started using the pills um, again and then had that fentanyl incident. Um, right. So that happened. And so that kind of brought the whole family um, to... Well, yeah, you can't really hide yeah, an yeah, overdose. Got, hey? Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so meanwhile, too, I was also using Xanax, too, which I had thought was, you know, oh. the lesser of two evils. Right. Right. 
so like i thought you know xanax like people are prescribed this stuff every day and they do it you know i have family members that are on the same medication and it's right. it's not a big deal like it's not addictive it's, it's fine not addictive. yeah meanwhile it's actually the worst drug to be on um mm. because the withdrawals last up to a year wow and Yes, and they don't, at least with, like, dope sick, like, being dope sick, you're sick for, you know, three to five days, and then you're mm -hmm. all right. You know, it right. might be, it is three to five days of the worst pain of your life, but whatever, it's it's not a year. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and when I say a year, it's like, I could be feeling fine one minute, and then... The next minute I'm having a panic attack and I don't know why. And then I'm fine. And then, so it's not like a constant, mm, um, gotcha withdrawal. And then right. there's, you know, the feeling like you're walking through mud and it's just, it's just terrible. So, um, so yeah. So after the, the fentanyl thing, um, I had started using more Xanax because I was still under the assumption that it was, um, you know, that it was fine. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, well, you know, I'll, I won't use oxys. I'll just use Xanax. And um, started with one pill, two pills, and then all of a sudden it was eight pills and then whatever, right? It's just same old story. It goes mm -hmm. higher and higher and higher. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I had um, gone back. I was still using oxys and fentanyl and that kind of stuff at the same time um which is a definite deadly combination mm -hmm. um so um and then um so yes i was back on methadone again and then um kind of getting my life together i was working out which i honestly think is one of the best things to keep sober yeah um, it clears your mind and it's just the endorphins that it gives you is just such a rush. Um, once you really start pushing your body and stuff, I just find that it's a, a way better alternative. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, definitely. No, <laughs> and it doesn't cost that much. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was doing, do, I was on methadone and whatever doing it all right i guess but not really taking it seriously i wasn't didn't make any other changes in my life i had nothing mm -hmm. no, nobody to, to be accountable to or that i felt like i had to be accountable to um you know i was i could still do my job i was whatever it was fine like and then um so i'm i'm taking this annex doing so many of them a week. It got to the point where I was doing between a 50 and 100 Xanax a week. Wow. And yeah. Um, so that was crazy. And then um, I had started dating a girl mm -hmm. um, who I still am with, thankfully. Mm -hmm. um, so I had said, you know, like, this is crazy. I can't keep doing Xanax with her, you know, like that. She's going to find out eventually because she is um, drug free. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, 
<clears throat> oh, that's awesome for her. Um, but so I was trying to cut back on my Xanax um, intake alone without, you know, the physician's help at all, mm-hmm. um, which led to me having a seizure. Oof. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> so, um, so that was strictly from the Xanax. Um, it had nothing to do with opiates, whatever. Right. Um, even though I still was taking them, um, mm-hmm. you know, to here or, to, you know, once in a while. Um, but it wasn't like it was before. So, um, so yeah, I had a seizure and that was so screwed up. It was the most fucked up thing. I, I was in the hospital. I thought it was 1964. I thought I, wow. I, yeah, it was nuts. It was, um, I thought I had kids. I thought I, I was talking crazy. Like it was nuts. Um, that's so scary. So it, it, it was, it was very scary. And to not even, I get like flashbacks of it. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's just sends shivers down your spine. Um, but it's it was scary. Um, so was, my girlfriend uh, was was with me while when I had the seizure. So okay. um, she actually has experience dealing with people that have seizures on a regular basis. So she recognized what was happening instantly and uh, and knew what to do. Which right. thank God because if any other person, any of her family members or Anybody had seen that, they would have probably done the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I'm so thankful for that, that she was here to, to do that. And um, so after I got out of the hospital, I, you know, obviously I have um, a lot of explaining to do to people that, you know, right. why, do, why did I have a seizure? Why? Is there all these drugs in my blood and mm-hmm. whatever? Um, so, yeah, back on methadone again. Um, <laughs> but uh, this time around, I have, you know, I've, I've started to create kind of support networks around me and have people yeah. that I am accountable to, like I mentioned before. So my girlfriend, who is... Uh, played a very huge role in in my in in maintaining my sobriety. Yeah. Um not saying that um that if we were to break up I'd go, you know, automatically get high, but right. having her um you know there at that at that really kind of crucial time um was was what kind of made me want to go forward. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's the the difference from all the other times. I didn't have anybody that I felt, um, yeah, that I wanted to, you know, be a better person for. If that makes sense. Okay, I know you mentioned um, having like emotional pain, not just the physical pain. How have you been dealing with the emotional side of what you've been going through? Well, that's 
<clears throat> another thing. Um, it's kind of pinpointing where, you know, where the pain is coming from. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I've been working on. Um, I I went to a counselor a few times and stuff and talked to, talked to her and I, I found it helped me a, a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of um, a little strong, strong minded, I think is the word. Uh, stubborn. So like <laughs> stubborn. There we go. So, I mean, I, I think I know everything. So I, I, I just like to analyze my own myself i guess is what i am trying to say so it it did help talking to somebody um yeah so but um it's just you just have to really you know look at your life and just say like what is making me do this and um at the time um my job i was working a lot more than i am now Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe that is a um, was a pretty big uh, part of my drug use because it, you know, you have to be social and I have some anxiety issues. So that's mm-hmm. where Xanax came into play. Mm-hmm. Um, so just stuff like that. Um, so this kind of realizing what what triggers you and why like who is it in your life and what is it in your life that makes you depressed? And there's, you know, certain people in, in my life, um, that, um, that I've kind of cut out because they, yeah. uh, they just, they're just drama 24 seven and yeah. I don't need them right now. And I, you know, I've, I felt like, um, I've kind of been, the um the middleman in a lot of situations and mm-hmm. that can put a lot of stress on you on well it does on myself um so i mean i i've just kind of stepped away from that and let people deal with their own problems instead of you know trying to be the middleman and mm-hmm. uh and neg- be the negotiator right so um okay not saying that that you know that everything's peachy and life's great right now. Um, obviously, you're, I'm still gonna have problems, and I still do. Um, but it's just finding ways to deal with them um, in a healthier fashion. Like with benzo withdrawal, um, I find that uh, the exercise is one of the best things for that mm. because it's just it just makes me so much happier and just, uh, I don't know. It just, um, it's just something that, uh, there's something to do. Like just, and that's right. another thing. It's just filling your day up. Like, like I was spending so much time sitting on my ass, just doing nothing. And it's like, of course, yeah, let's get high. You don't have anything to do today. So, right. You no. Know? Um, so, and also, you know, I was playing in ba- in a band, or well, I still do play in a band, and mm-hmm. um, I've kind of, uh, it was stressing me out a lot, um, because just trying to organize everybody, and, uh, you know, I really wanted to be a rock star, 
and I've mm-hmm. kind of realized that that's not what I want anymore. Um, okay. I, you know, I want to be, I want to be in a place. I just want to be happy. I don't want to be and it. That's what I felt like before that I was, you know, just reaching for the stars by trying to be a rock star or, uh, you know, trying to solve everybody's problems and that kind of thing. It just seemed like I was stretching myself too thin. Okay. That makes any sense at all. Um, yeah. So I, it's just yeah. kind of prior prioritizing, prioritizing things. Um, and just focusing on what's, you know, what's working and what's not working. Mm-hmm. So what makes so, you happy? Um, being makes me happy is, you know, like being with, um, with my girlfriend obviously makes me happy. I, it's something that I, um, and her family is amazing. And just the, the, uh, compassion that she has for her family and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it's really kind of made me think about how, um, how that can translate to, to our family. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, because it's just, um, it's just a very happy environment and I just, she makes me very happy and um, I know I'm not being very elegant with my words right now, but it's, uh, it's <laughs> kind of a hard question to answer is what makes you happy. Um, so I, you know, the still easiest and hardest at the same time, yeah, isn't it? It's, it is. Yeah. To, to make what makes you really happy is the hard question, you know? Because, you know, it's different days. Like, today, spinning made me happy. Yeah. But, you know, tomorrow, I don't don't know what's going to make me happy. You know, yesterday was was great. I, you know, I, I, um, I just got some time to myself and played some guitar and stuff. And that Mm -hmm. was great. That makes me happy. And I also teach music. Um, which is something that I've also realized um, since my seizure is that's what I would like to get more into is, is teaching. Um, yeah. So, so I would like to get out of kind of the, uh, the job that I have now because I find that it uh, is very stressful and I would like to, to be in a job where I kind of give back more. I think that would mm-hmm. be a lot more rewarding. Totally. So. Cool. Uh, one more question for you, Bob. Uh, for anyone listening to us right now, what maybe they're like thinking of getting sober or kind of going through their sobriety in a rough patch, whatever it may be. What kind of words of advice would you give to anyone listening right now? Um, I would just say, what do you you know, with your addiction, what are you gaining and what are you losing and what's mm. more important to you? Totally. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what did it for me. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sorry. Short and sweet, but that's. No, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Right to the point. 
Yeah. I love that. I think you were the quickest person to ever answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That's great. I thought about well, it a lot. Well, Bob, thank you so much for sharing your story and and your experiences. I really appreciate it. And I have definitely learned more about you, even though you're my own brother. Um, it's just really interesting to to get your perspective. Because like I said, like, you know, especially with family members or people we think we know, we just assume. We assume our life away. And mm-hmm. it's really nice to just sit down and have this conversation with you mm-hmm. and and hear it from from you. Mm-hmm. You know, and Absolutely. you know, from your your side of the story and your honest perspective. Yeah. Wow, my little brother has been through a lot. This conversation with him has really opened up my eyes and given me a newfound respect for my little brother. And you know what? He's not just my little brother. He's Bobby. He's a big, strong man. And I'm so grateful to have this conversation. And if you want to have a conversation with a loved one or family member or anyone that you might feel a little bit emotionally charged with, I highly suggest using this technique. Doesn't matter if you have a podcast or you're not a journalist or whatever you may be, slip into an interview kind of mode. Create a little space, create a little bit of ability to not react emotionally and just be able to sit and really listen and take it in. It will really bring a new level to your relationship and your communication game. So definitely try out that little technique. It has done wonders for me. Again, I have interviewed my mom and now my little brother. So thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. I love your support, feedback, Don't forget to rate, subscribe, comment, love to hear from you, and screenshot when you are listening to the podcast. Tag us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide, and check out the blog for how-tos, tips, tricks, whatever you need through your recovery. It is on the blog. Also, my new book is out. Woo! Yes, I got a book! Save your own damn life. If you are looking for a fun, easy approach to self-development, this is it. You don't have to go to the mountains of Peru. You don't need to be exercised and saved by a shaman. This is the book for you. You can have a spiritual awakening that is fun, easy, and in the comfort of your own home. I'm so proud to announce that my book, Save Your Own Damn Life, is available now on Amazon. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day.